This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello rich here please don't fast forward just yet as there's been a change of date for the low strangers live event in november this is due to the football league trophy fixture at bristol rovers being moved to wednesday the 13th of november as a result of this the live event has now been moved forward by 24 hours and will now take place on tuesday the 12th of november instead Everything else remains the same. Pub quiz hosted by Vic Morgan with an interlude Q&A with me talking to members of Swindon Town's current setup. Doors open at 7pm. Tickets are £5 per person and they can be purchased on the official Supporters Club website which is www.stfc-osc.com and they also have a table in the Legends Lounge on match days. I really hope to see you all there so we can collectively talk about Swindon Town or argue over whether Bosworth or Stokefield was indeed the final battle of the Wars of the Roses. Sounds like fun. Well it does to me anyway. Now on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Far post for Shearer. Goal. Ball now. That's Steve White. Catch to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Hobble. I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradwell! Hello and 
and welcome to the Lone Strangers podcast, the perfect solution to the stress and the strain. I've got a few guests this week, but my first guest, as ever, is the ever-trusted Ben Wills, who is very happy. Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. Uh, yes, we record this on a Saturday evening for a change rather than a Sunday, and uh, those of the listeners in there, I spot two teams have had a, a very good day because obviously we we're Swindon have won 4-0 and uh, Chelsea have won 4-2, so um, two very nice away wins for me, and uh, Looking forward to dissecting at least one of them a bit uh, in this podcast, but sadly I'll be focusing on the uh, the very boring and uh, and drab one nil, but a wins a win in the end. So, um, so yeah, very good move for me, and hopefully this will be a good podcast to um to reflect that. I like to think so. There's quite a lot of stuff happened this week. We're going to go in chronological order. So we're going to start with the game in midweek against Stevenage. I missed this as I was watching the Bouncing Souls at the Fleece in Bristol. It was a Mother's Day gift for Mrs P and that was way back. So it's been on the calendar for quite some time. I had a great time, especially as Owen Doyle's winner came through just as the headline act were about to come on. It's a funny one really because... I sort of checked up on social media, etc., an hour or so after the game, and you would never have thought that town got three points from that game. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, was going to say when you were mentioning about the gig that you did miss a great deal, and that is true. It wasn't the, um, I think Wellen said it himself, it wasn't the something that they're scintillating best. It was, it was okay, it wasn't as bad as um, social media would have you believe, but it certainly wasn't, you know, what we've just seen today on Saturday. It wasn't the, you know, the, the dropping of opposition that, that we can get used to. It was definitely more your traditional home game of, you know, we've, we've seen it and said it all before, that teams will bank in and try and get a point in Stevenage lasted for 90 of the 19 minutes but sadly it, it, for them it, it clocked on to additional and Swindon did get the win and they just about deserved in balance but yeah it was is no thriller and the headline was Wellington's post-match comments after, afterwards rather than the the win but obviously good that Swindon got the win because they just about deserved it but it certainly wasn't peak Wellens and peak Swindon as we as we've come to know it. Yeah there was there wasn't a lot of negativity after the game and a lot of to it and fro in between fans in reference to Wellens' comments. But before we go to that, let's just show some appreciation for what was a very composed finish, given the fact that Rob Hunt's cross, although very good, it was a little bit behind Doyle, wasn't it? And he did well to get it down and swipe it in. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was getting ready to... Well, no, I pretty much wrote the uh, the full-time report for an Illinois drawn and suddenly I'm looking up and, and Doyle's taking a swing at something and it's, it's landed in the back of the net and... Uh, I've got a very happy rewrite, which I'm always happy to do, even if they are a minor headache. But I'm always happy to do them. So, so yeah, it was it, it was good. And like I said, Swindon just about deserved it. They weren't awful. They were they were you know, fine. It, it, it's kind of weird to describe it. Um, but but yeah, it, that, it was the least they deserved really, and and it was much needed as, as we said because as as we'll touch upon, Wellington was not, not exactly um, a massive fan of the atmosphere, and that certainly would have been a lot worse if if Doyle hadn't struck. Um, in the last minute with a an impressive goal, as you said. The only feedback we got really from this was straight after the game ended, which was from Adrian Kesey. Doughty can't play 4-4-2 and was no way man of the match. Is that harsh? There was certainly um, fractions of what I've been saying for a few weeks now, that if you played Doughty in a team on the field, it would leave a lot of gaps and it wouldn't be as, um, what's the word, disciplined. It wouldn't be very disciplined in midfield and, and certainly Stevenage looked a bit threatening on the counter. Not too much, but there's certainly a lot of space in midfield when when Doughty would overcommit or, or even anyone else would overcommit and soon would get caught a bit. But I don't think he was awful. Man of the match was stretching it a bit, but he was still playing 
um, some good passes that, that we get used to from Doughty and uh, that's quite impressive given he's only been in fits and starts recently so I was impressed with him generally man of the match was pushing it but we certainly did see the, um, the things I've been warning about recently about what he would be like a team on the field that was certainly on show but I don't think he was awful by any means and, and soon got away with that system being being as it was. OK, so let's talk about this post-match interview to the press. Uh, you were there for the majority of it. You were getting quotes from the Stevenage camp early on, but you did catch the majority of Richie Wellens' post-match. I've used the quotes Sean Reynolds used for his article in The Advertiser. So there's a selection of quotations here for you, and then we'll follow up with some observations and questions from listeners. So Richie Wellens says, I don't want to make a big thing about it, but if you want to support your club, we can achieve something this year. If we don't, then it becomes more difficult for the players to play in that environment. I don't want to hear supporters saying, this is rubbish, we've won the game, it's not nice to hear. It doesn't bother me, but I'm the same distance away from the crowd as the players, and they're hearing that. What's that going to do? We want to give them confidence to go and play because there are some good players here. Wellens went on to say, when I go up to Old Trafford... I'm not there to moan. I understand that they're going to, through a transitional period and Oli is under a little bit of pressure. The point is, I'm a supporter as well and I get it. But did the players give everything on Tuesday? I think they did. The players on Tuesday gave everything and it's difficult to play against a block of five and a block of four. It is really difficult. If the supporters are on your side, you believe in yourself to stay patient because the chances will come. If the supporters get a little bit negative, that player starts forcing things and then that is to the detriment of the team because the other team starts to grow into the game and create chances. So a few comments from the fans and then we'll discuss this. Lookout123 says, Are our fans too quick to get negative when we have a bad patch of form or do we have every right to? Seaside Reds, is it Wellens versus grumpy fans or is it obsessed doomsters versus supporters who want to see the club do well? Or is it more complicated? I expect it's more complicated. Sigh. You couldn't present a cat. Says Wellens was completely correct in his assessment. He's just the only manager to have the gumption to say it out loud. One of the quotes that, that the advertiser missed there was... Wellens' emphasis that there isn't a middle ground between happy with a win and furious with a loss. And I think that's the key component missing from those selection of quotes. Yeah, that's certainly one of the quotes I would have led with. Um, I, like, like you said, I, I missed a, a bit of it because I was getting um, subs and quotes, but certainly I was there for the vast majority. I think I think actually just when I walked in, he was just, about to, he was just winding up to start. So I, I got in just in time. Yeah, I mean, clearly it, it got a lot of negative reaction, but I... I pretty much have to stop myself from standing up and applauding about half a throw because I agreed with practically every word, if not all of them. And um, yeah, I think one of the main points was that was that um, Swindon are a bit, I want to say a better phrase, but I can't think of one, a bit bipolar when 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 we, we win a game, we're, we're going up, and when we lose a game, we're going down. And I've been saying that for for years. I think we've even mentioned it on this podcast. So I don't think we can criticise Wellens for that because I agree with that. And I think I think you probably do too as well. And, and I think many, many do as well. So there's, there's quite a few that... They didn't like it, but generally I agreed with pretty much everything that Wellen said. And, you know, we'll get on to more that he said, but certainly that point as well, I was, I was um, pretty much in full agreement with. 
Is this something that's common across the board in football? Or are we a little bit more knee-jerky? But well, we'll get to the reasons why that could be in just a moment. But it's got to be common everywhere, right? Yeah, I think I, I put a tweet out not long after the press conference and I got a few replies back saying, is this normal football fan behaviour or isn't it just normal football fan behaviour? And I, I think it is, generally. I think, I'm think i not saying that Swindon are the, and Norris Wellens that, that Swindon are the only club that does this. I think, I think everyone will be guilty, but it just seems... Uh, maybe it's confirmation bias. Maybe it's being locked in, you know, an echo chamber. But it certainly it feels like around here that that it is um, amplified to such an extent. And we know that, you know, certain fractions of social media will be very vocal when when a defeat happens. And then uh, days like today will happen, and and you won't hear from them. So, and they'll be waiting for the next defeat to to be vocal again. So I certainly think that that that's very applicable here. And I, like I said, it's it. I've been no doubt that it happens across the country and you know across the world that the fans are like that. But certainly with Swindon, it does feel like it's amplified that that little bit more. And there are people there that, that seem to revel in revel in defeat. I think something that I read quite often from the people who were in the Wellens is out of order camp is very much of Swindon have not been good for several years now. And I, I got that feeling that they're just anxious to get out of this division ASAP now, as opposed to, you know, dusting ourselves off and going, oh well, let's have a fourth, let's have a fourth campaign in League Two, which you know wouldn't be acceptable at all. But it, it can happen; it could easily happen for us next season. But there's also this this feeling that people want Swindon to do badly because because of the owners. And, you know, that's their prerogative, absolutely. But there is a separation between ownership and, and what's happening on the pitch, surely. Yeah, I've got that point of view too, that people are frustrated and, and don't get me wrong, I'm as frustrated as anyone, but I think there's a, mm. you know, an, another point that Wellens was making in there when Swindon were, you know, looking after a, uh, looking for a goal of the last 15 minutes and people were sort of saying, oh, this is rubbish and, and a few are walking out and, you know, that's that's where I agree with them as well. That sort of defeats the object of being supportive. That if the team were chasing a goal, which they were, they, you know, the, the crowd should should back the team and, and and try and you know spur them on in any way, shape, or form to to get that winner, rather than you know traipsing off in the last 15 minutes or or moaning to which will demotivate them. I'm not I'm not saying that you know people can't express their opinions, which of course they can do, but it just you know, sort of de- de- um, defeats the object of being a fan if if people are so pessimistic even when Sweden have got you know, fighting chance of, of getting that winner. The two guys that were nearby that were shouting at him, this is rubbish. It just reminds me of watching Chippenham Town when I was younger. You know, they know the manager can hear and they don't necessarily think they'll respond, but they, they, they want to have their point of view heard, but they also don't like it when the manager turns around and says, well, you come on and do a better job. You know, it, it, it's always tremendously entertaining. Yeah, I, I can't say that I saw Wellens giving a bit back, but people that were surrounding claims he did, and I don't disbelieve them, but I, I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything on that. But certainly he uh, he went in a bit on the press conference, and that was entertaining for me, gave me a good quote. Like I said, I, I agreed with his general point. I can definitely see how he annoyed people and why he annoyed people. Yeah, I think if I was to do percentages, I'd say about 80 20 is in Wellens' favour, and I'd certainly be in the 80. There's Cashy Anderson. Five additional minutes. Mullen. It's Matt Taylor. And it's gone through the keeper. The old wise head delivers. Forest Green's party get crashed. Swindon Town, the neighbours from down the road, are ruining Forest Green's big, big night. 
Well, it's a substitution for this part of the episode where I rest Ben Wills for a few minutes. Ben Hook, Head of Media and Communications at Swindon Town. It's good to hear from you again, Ben. Yeah, lovely to be back on. Lovely to be back on. How's things, Rich? Very well, thank you. Well, what you will hear during this episode is the heavy breathing of a very poorly rich pulling throughout this but i've cut out all the coughing that happened during ben's segment trust me on that it was a funny one for swindon really because we were poor at crew no denying about that and people were really unhappy with the manner of that loss and then we played stevenage town got the win thanks to a late goal by owen but it you just had that sense that people were sharpening their knives to to go at the club again, so to speak. And then the goal went in, but people didn't know what to do, whether to just, you know, be happy or to, to still show their dissatisfaction. And a lot of that dissatisfaction went your way. Yeah, I think, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> after Crew, I got a bit of a battering for saying that Crew stole it, which um, I sort of understand. I, I sort of came at it from the fact they scored two late goals and that, They'd nicked it, but obviously they'd absolutely dominated it. But I think the whole week's, like, in my job, a lot of what I think about and a lot of what I have to sort of make decisions on is sort of perspective and the perspective that I make a that I make a judgment call in terms of reporting on the game. And I think that obviously fans will come at it from a different perspective to, to me sometimes and from the manager, and that's been shown this week. I think it's all like the way of what we've been doing recently. There's been a lot of different perspectives in terms of if you talk to the manager, he'll go, we're seventh in the league, but we've had a load of injuries. So his perspective is, yeah, it's been disappointing the last few weeks, but in fact, we can actually put a positive spin on it because now that we're getting players back, we're doing exactly what we did at the start of the season. But at the same time, the fan perspective is we've lost three out of the last four games or whatever it was before crew and I think even the crew performance the perspective I had on it was if we don't concede those last two goals then it's a really characterful characterful point away from home against the league leaders and I think Stevenage was exactly the same you sort of felt that despite the fact like I saw it as 70% possession dominated the game and fully deserved to win no matter how late it was but I think a lot of fans might say well may have had 70% of the ball but Actually, we didn't do much with it. It was quite slow. And I think that was where the frustration sort of was born a little bit, just in terms of like the fact that Stevenage made it a very slow and quite a boring game as a whole. And I think that's why the perspective is so important. And actually, that's I think in the Gaffer's presser after the game, I think that's what he was calling for, just a sort of a different perspective from the fans and sort of to try and turn that, negative energy that you could feel around the ground and I sort of thought part of it was understandable but at the same time you sort of as a club we want you to keep supporting and we know it's a lot to ask at points but actually it's um it's what the players need and the players past and present talk about it sometimes in terms of the way the county ground can turn a little bit it it does make it slightly more difficult to play and don't know how much impact it actually has on the results but actually I've heard it from past players and I've heard it from present players as well in terms of it can make you feel really nervous on the ball make you force something or make you more hesitant and actually what we've been doing at the club is to try and turn that energy into sort of getting behind the team and we've had that this season and Stevenage was the first time I think where I thought this is actually quite flat but at the same time when the goal went in 
it was just pure relief. I think a lot of people just went, you know what, we deserve that and we can go again on Saturday. So I think it's the, the key word this week has been perspective and fans will come at it from different viewpoints. And I've literally seen the whole spectrum this week in the comments and on the Facebook group and wherever it is that Swindon Town fans voice their opinion. I hear it at the club, at home. I get calls about it from uh, staff members at the club about their perspective on it. So, And it, literally, I've heard a lot this week. So the key word is perspective, I think, this week, definitely. I mean, you're the media man at Swindon. So although me and Ben have talked about Wellens' post-match comments in the previous segment, it would be remiss of me not to get your your slant from it because, as you said, it's all about perspective and that's what was driving Wellens' his, his comments. But, I mean, ultimately, he's right, isn't he? He's just encouraged. He, Wellens has a... Has a it, sometimes I think Wellens' delivery is the reason why people take it out of context, maybe, because, you know, he's a dour northern chap and, you know, he, he's very blunt and matter-of-fact, which is no bad thing. But sometimes football fans don't like that, do they? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit of, like, it's sort of shining the mirror on the fans a little bit. But actually, I think overall his position comes from a place of passion and mm. That that's all he's got in terms of. I, I spoke to him before he went into the presser, and he said, like it was flat today, and I sort of agreed with him. And then he said, I sort of my job as the press officer is to sort of be a little bit like, look, however emotional you are right now, just sort of tone it down a little bit. <laughs> but actually, my policy with Richie Wellens has been just don't say anything to him and let him loose a little bit. And I think fans want to hear that honesty, and I hear all the time that fans want to hear. Sort of a less sanitised version of football and I think we're in League 2 and to an extent we can sort of get away with it we don't have the commercial and um, yeah the commercial sort of responsibilities and sort of ties that Premier League football clubs have so at this level we really want to sort of endorse that passion almost and sort of let I just sort of, to an extent I want to let, to let the gaffer loose I mean from a press office point of view I was listening to it going oh like this is this is on the edge but at the same time I think the fans have got to remember that he comes at it from a place of absolute care for the football club and passion for the football club he's not just come in and wants to run the team he wants to come in and turn this football club's fortunes around and that includes the football team but actually that includes the community engagement that includes the way that the culture is around the football club as sort of for staff. That includes literally everything he wants to make it a better football club, full stop, for the for the town and for the county. And I think he comes at it from, the, if I get battered for a couple of weeks in the press, if I get battered for a couple of weeks by the fans, it, he feels like it needed to be said and he feels like it's for the good of the football club. And I think that's the main thing that I've, Personally, I'd hope fans take from it is that this guy cares a lot about the football club, and most managers will come in and care about the football team, and it will come from half half a selfish perspective in terms of if he does a good job here, he gets a, a lot of good press and he's a success. But actually, he, he has that, but he also has right. I just want this football club to do well on and off the pitch, and I think I think fans really should try and keep that in mind that it comes from a place of just care and passion and with this manager you're not going to get um you're not going to get anything else so you met you sort of should get used to it. i think that honesty is something that should be treasured and not sort of vilified a little bit i think this is all you know fantastic to hear considering he's only a part-time manager hours wise <laughs> <laughs> when i saw so usually i 
I, I mean, I try and keep my work and private life separate. So that includes like my social media accounts, especially on my Facebook, which is a personal account. But I see those comments and sometimes like you'll see Danny comment on things in Facebook groups and on Twitter that, and we try to not engage too much because sometimes you can just get into like a slanging match. But sometimes when things are just not true, it's better just to nip it in the bud. And I think when I saw he was a part-time manager, I just thought, I can't, like, that, it's almost slanderous because when I he spoke about his knowledge of the football league, when I say he is at, he just you you'll mention a player to him and he'll go yeah, like I mentioned an EC player the other day and he went yeah he dribbles out with the ball really well and I was like mm. it's just ridiculous how much time he spends on the football league as a whole but also on the training ground the other day they were there for four hours or and things were getting moved around back at the ground because they were just he didn't want to stop training and. He has so many commitments outside of that, and to call him a part-time manager, I just saw it and I thought, I can't, I can't let that be. I mean, even on Friday night, he was out at a junior team coaching session. During the day when he got back from training, he was at uh, the um, community elite camp that the foundation have had this week. Him and Doyle, and I think, yeah, I just thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> What were your observations post Stevenage? What was the mood around the building like before Crawley? Was all well? Before Crawley, it was very. I sort of feel like Tuesday there was a bit of a job done. Mm. Sort of right, we're out of the rut. Like, but we have we're only out of the rut if we back it up this weekend. There was a bit of a focus and just around the place. I think everyone was. You don't tend to see too much change during the week in terms of even when we'd lost the wet crew. There was still a sort of just a professional sport way of working and they have that whether they win lose or draw but I think this week they everyone knew that we could beat Crawley and we we were sort of getting out of this injury laden rut a little bit I think so that was the general mood and we just everyone was sort of going just win this weekend (laughs) back-to-back wins makes everything better it makes the table look better it makes the mood better just around the football club and I mean Danny and I were just saying, because we've obviously got the junior takeover day this weekend, we were just saying, oh, please just win. <laughs> we don't want to come, kind of be promoting a junior takeover day mm-hmm. when we've just been battered 3-0 away at Crawley. It just doesn't look good at all. So, yeah, we, I think in terms of the staff over the other side, it was just, just please, just please win. And then boys um, over in the first team were sort of, they re- maintain a relatively level-headed way of working. So, yeah relatively positive all the way through the week. Well, there was only one change for Swindon starting 11 for the game against Crawley and that was DJ came in for Kane Woolery. Just a dominant performance from beginning to end which also included four wonderful goals each different which is brilliant to see. Yeah, I think there was a real variety. I mean, we were, we were talking on the bus after the game about um, which of which of the goals was better, the third or the fourth? But actually, I think we underrated the second it's one. The two. And, it's the two. It is I mean, number two. Yeah. Absolutely, it yeah. is. Yeah, but at the same time, I think it's just really good to see that we can go away to, to a place. It wasn't a great day to play football, apart from the fact that the ball zipped around a little bit. And I just think we showed off a real sort of, I want to say arrogance, but it was just pure confidence all the way through the game in our ability in, in the team's ability to pass the ball but also do the dirty work as well I think we've learnt both sides of the game really well this season and sometimes you get undone by 
individual sort of individual things and individual moments. Like I think against Cheltenham, there were little things where I always think back to that game where we were totally dominant, but we drew to all. And I think yesterday was a bit sort of we showed a extra level of maturity to really break the game down in the periods where Crawley was slightly better and then really be confident and ruthless on the ball when we were on top. And I think 4-0 did us absolute justice. So, yeah, I think just overall a brilliant away day. And I was really glad to see how much it meant to all of the sort of players at the end. They all went over to the fans and they were like hugging in the stands, which is obviously just what we've tried to build as a club. And I think that it was sort of a perfect end to the day, to be honest, and the perfect end to the week. Yeah, they showed more love for those goals. So goal one, Isgrove was his usual nuisance. He gets the ball in, it's cleared, but Anthony Grant showed great anticipation to intercept the ball and give Owen Doyle just a nice, easy tap in. But um, I guess my questions from this is, firstly, great anticipation by Grant, but also how's um, Lloyd looking injury-wise because he, he was replaced half hour in? I've no idea on Lloyd, I'm afraid. Um, he was sort of, I think it's not terrible, but I, I wouldn't want to put a, um, <laughs> I definitely want to give you a date. In terms of the goal itself, I, I, that is exactly what Anthony Grant has been doing all over the pitch since yeah. he's come in. He just wins second balls and that is a vital part of League Two football. You'll get them all the time. If you don't, then goals like that don't come about and obviously I think I would have put pretty much everything I own to this point on Owen Doyle putting that away. So <laughs> I sort of already had the had the tweet ready to go off about as it hit his foot. So yeah, it, I think that's the confidence of those two players in terms of the role that they play has been a real. I mean, it's an obviously huge part of why we're doing quite well at the moment. The second goal is my favourite of the. For the three and four, well, wonderfully worked team goals, but that first touch crossed by Donahue and Doyle's positioning, and you know, I love love a diving headed goal. It, it was just so satisfying to see. Yeah, I mean, you can't fault it really. I mean, Grant starts it off by winning the ball in midfield. Doughty shows quality of the pass. Keshi holds it up, times his back heel perfectly. Dion, the the cross is brilliant, and the diving header, yeah. It's past Morris before he even starts a dive, really. Mm. He can't get close to it. I think that was, in terms of how seamless it was, there, there aren't many better goals this season just because nobody was waiting around for for movement to be made off the ball. It was all sort of like, right, that triggers that movement. I'll get round him. Doyle's waiting in the box. It was all just sort of done in a flash and yeah brilliant goal brilliant goal three and four were well worked goals but I think the thing that I take from it is the contribution of Keshi Anderson and Kane Woodery two players that have been in and out of the side whether it be injury or, or form and just great to see them contribute um, to the goals by Doyle and Yates at the end yeah yeah brilliant I mean Keshi sort of had I think came on earlier obviously than the manager would have hoped because obviously it was first half and it's is he getting injured? But at the same time, he, he was arguably our best player in the opening six or seven games. And he's back registering assists and being a, I thought he was very, very good yesterday. And the same with Kane. He, like, off the bench, he is just explosive mm. to bring on, isn't he? He's, I mean, he's done it 
when he started like last year against Berry, he was unbelievable, just his pace and power and sort of his, his quality at the end. And yesterday, sort of the way he beat, I can't remember, I think it was Kamara, who was sort of in the left-back position. And he just, it's like he wasn't there. He sort of, he, get, he put, pushes the ball into an area where nobody should really be able to get it back. And he just sort of, skins him basically mm-hmm. it out muscles him gets to the byline and I thought I was really glad for Jerry to get the goal at the end because I think Doyle said in his post-match presser that um, he does so much work off the ball and he's always he's sort of the perfect foil for Doyle so he um I think he really deserved it and he's hasn't got, scored for a little while so I was really buzzing for him because he he for the work he does he got his rewards yesterday I think yeah, really pleased with Jerry because he's a great bloke as well. Completely agree. My next bit was about Jerry Yates because he, he's just contributing so well. Although, you know, he, he's he's getting singles, he's still got seven in 13 league games, which is yeah. just lovely so far. If you've got if you've got Doyle to, you know, score a bit more, there's nothing wrong with that. If he, I think Yates is definitely, because Wellen seems borderline obsessed with bringing Yates in, over the summer and now we're beginning to see why and I was a bit sceptical to, as to how many goals he could score what his contribution could be but it's way beyond putting the ball in the net he does a lot of work doesn't he yeah I remember the day that Jerry signed I think or the day after because actually Jerry signed up north in a holiday in somewhere mm-hmm. Gaffer went to meet him and I just think I remember the Gaffer walking in the next day he was like you're going to love him the fans are going to love him I don't think he said I love him, but I think he um, he was obsessed with bringing him in over the summer. And I think just with the way that the manager wants to play with the intensity off the ball, I think fans, no, nobody can say that he doesn't give 110% every week because I think he 100% does. He is brilliant off the ball. And his, that's not to say that he's not very good on it as well. I think yesterday I clocked about three or four Cruyff turns that opened <laughs> up about three or four yards of space for him. And he just does that. And he does a lot of things that you won't necessarily notice because Doyle's the one that finishes it off. But Yates is the one that makes the run away from goal. And I think their partnership is really, really strong at the moment. And also, he's quite adaptable in terms of three or four times during the game yesterday, we switched between a two and two up top. And then they drop in and play with sort of Yates in slightly deeper and play... Sort of dig in, and Yates and Doyle were doing the hard work defensively as well. So, I think you can't, you couldn't ask for two better strikers at this level. And I think, I think Yates is still only fourth in the League Two scoring charts. I think he's only being dwarfed by Danny Rose at Mansfield and a couple of others. So, well, obviously, and Mr. Doyle himself as well. But he's dwarfing most of Europe in the goal scoring charts. So, <laughs> you can't really complain. And I am not. So looking forward, we've got one more league fixture left before some cup distractions at Cheltenham and Bristol Rovers, if you can call the Bristol Rovers game a distraction. Um, I would say it's probably more unwanted. Walsall's important because it is the junior takeover day where under-11s are going in free. I'll mention that again a bit later on in the pod. Let's hope the weather is okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the main thing we're worried about next week. I think... Um, we, we've 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 done a lot over the last year, and Danny is really important to that because he's the one that it sort of has to deal with all of those things in terms of pitching them, and then sort of making sure they're cost efficient, but also making sure that they bring 
a good amount of people through the door to sort of say this is the next like this is this is the next generation of people i think what we really want is actually a shared responsibility from fans that aren't necessarily coming every week but actually seeing that it's the junior takeover and i think i always think that football clubs sell themselves a little bit in terms of if i was nine or ten and i went to a really rocking ground and watched very good football i think i'd catch the bug and i definitely did when i was at southampton a young kid kind of going to a saints game and the atmosphere is part of that so we sort of almost want fans to take a bit of responsibility as well and say look i want we want to get over seven thousand seven seven half thousand to the ground to show this next generation of fans what this football club is all about and we can only show them the things we put on to an extent we can't really say we've got loads of fans if the fans aren't there because if you're 11 you just won't believe it you'll go well i saw our stadium half half empty but actually we want fans to really show what the county ground can look like i think the players will i'm hoping they'll deliver because Wolves haven't been in the best of form and we've obviously come off the back of two wins so that side of it i'm not actually as worried about as i was last year because last year for the equivalent day we did we made less of a deal of it but actually it was the manager's first game and that didn't go well (laughs) well fingers crossed the weather is good and swindon put in a good show so those uh, 11 and unders will demand to watch swindon again yes that is exactly what we want (laughs) ben that's brilliant thank you very much we're now going to go to connor who has a fan's perspective of the crawley game cheers buddy no worries not at all any time so that's a little flick Stroud. What a good shot! You're listening to the Low Strangers Podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Well, an away hat-trick by Owen Doyle can only mean... Well, there's only one way we can celebrate this, and that's bring a third guest onto the pod. Connor Garrett returns. Hello, Connor. Hi, I didn't know that my appearance on this hinged on that Owen Doyle third goal going in, so I'm very glad that it did now, uh, because, yeah, we'll get to shoot the breeze about what was definitely a very good performance and a good week for Swindon. It absolutely did hinge on that third goal. <laughs> <laughs> Look, me and Ben have talked. We didn't go to the game. I spoke to Ben Hook, who obviously was at the game, but with his employee's hat on. You were at the game as a fan. When you were on your way to Crawley, because it's out of a trek for you, you know, you're south coast, but it's still quite a distance... Yeah. Were you thinking, as the rain was pouring down, what the hell am I doing? Because the away crowd wasn't down as much as it could have been. There's 621 away fans. There's only a few less than what we normally get, bar one crazy one where we had over a 1,000. Were you, were you contemplating life on that journey to Crawley yesterday? Um, I mean, the rugby was on while we are getting the train down. So that kind of took my mind off of the immediate journey and then by the time we got to Clapham uh, to get the it's not not obviously not too far to Crawley from there um we were already too far we were too far in we <laughs> couldn't go back so I I wasn't regretting it um I mean I, to be honest I did think that we were gonna have an interesting game I don't know I don't know what it was but like because Southampton lost 9-0 on the Friday night 
I just had a really, I had a feeling that there was going to be a lot of goals. And uh, yeah, so it turned out to be. So I'm sure that that was not like a, an accurate prediction. Just sort of, I decided something and it just ha- so happened to happen. Definitely in a very positive frame of mind yesterday morning. And uh, it seemed to, the day sort of went pretty well the whole way through. I mean, we even, me and my brother went to a pub and got uh, a burger before the game. And um, he was complaining that his chips hadn't been, uh, there weren't enough of them. And then the chef came out of the kitchen and gave him like a whole new portion of chips without anyone even saying anything. So we were like, that's a positive omen. Swindon are definitely gonna <laughs> gonna win today. Actually, despite the weather, I was in a very good mood and very excited for the show that we were gonna put on. So what was the mood in the in the pub with the Swindon fans? What was the mood on the terrace before kickoff? It's been, like I said, it's been a rough month or so. Was it just your routine Swindon fans who are there you know, regardless of form, what was the vibe? A lot of people obviously have different opinions. I think it's hard to say what everyone was expecting, but I think everything seemed relatively upbeat. Um, people were quite excited for the game um, and yeah, it seemed to be sort of a relatively good atmosphere sort of as the game was uh, sort of building up. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the crowd probably, it was sort of like par for the course, the size of it for, for a club of our size. Uh, so, given the distance and things like that and the weather and the fact that there's, I guess people are probably starting to do Christmas shopping now as well. So they might not be able to go um, on sort of, yeah, six hour round trips. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a, a positive atmosphere, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of, any of us quite expected it to end in the way that it did. I think even up until about half time, we were kind of expecting Crawley to be better than they were. Mm. Um, but I think I think people were expecting goals. Obviously, Crawley had scored something like 23 consecutive games. We're usually pretty good at scoring at least one. So, um, yeah, I think we're just everyone's just interested in seeing what happens. Really, was Swindon great, or was it a case of Crawley being bad because Crawley are going with the bad day at the office, going down that road, or did we just play them off the park? A bit of everything. Um, I think Crawley were not great. Um, I mean, if you get beaten four 0 Generally, you're not going to have played well. So it is true that it was a bad day at the office for them. But I don't think it was necessarily that they were so bad that any team would have beaten them 4-0. They, on, an, on another day, they could probably put that performance in against one of the bottom teams in the league and could maybe come out of a draw or a win, depending on how things go. But um, yeah, I think realistically, um, we we did start we came out of the blocks very early very early we sort of looked like the better team for the first sort of 15 20 minutes and i think that's what really made the game um what it was but there were spells in the first half that were pretty even um i think the fact of the weather and the fact that swindon players were going down for injury quite a lot um, i've seen that crawley actually picked up on that on twitter saying it was becoming a theme of the first half it broke the game up a little bit and didn't really allow them to get into their into their flow and that's actually sort of something that for us would usually prevent us from getting into the flow of things but yeah definitely it didn't help them and then that second goal for us I think just before half time it's such a sucker punch for them that realistically there's probably not going to be any coming back from that in the way that it happened it was an excellent goal like you said my favourite's the third it's just because it just seemed inevitable for sort of from even when it's sort of ball left Bender's boot um, at the back so yeah it was a uh, it's one of those things, Crawley didn't play well. We spoke to some Crawley fans after the game as well. He said that the only team that's sort of done that to them in a while is Crew a few weeks ago and uh, that we look like one of the better teams that they've played sort of this season. But equally, yeah, they, they the home team are not great. This is now an invitation for you to provide your hot take. My hot take? I, I've only got lukewarm takes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, 
it's not possible to really say anything about Doyle, which hasn't already been said. Uh, he's clearly just an incredible natural finisher. His movement is great. I think, as Ben said uh, in the segment before, Yates works really hard up front as well, which makes it difficult to see how we could not go with both of them. Yates went... I mean, they're, they're perfect fall for each other, really. And I think Yates went wide in the second half when Jaisimi went off, which should maybe be an option at some points because I think there have been times in recent weeks where we've lacked that sort of extra man in midfield. And when Leiden came on, we looked really, really solid in midfield. But I think it is... Obviously, it's hard to say when a striker scored a hat-trick that they're not the player of the game. But definitely, our midfield was sort of what probably swung the game from being sort of a, a scrap in sort of absolute dirge of conditions to sort of a bit of a procession by the end of the game. Obviously, Doughty's back in the team. And I think we have, we can see now after those two games where he's maybe not been the most confident uh, player on the pitch, but he, he keeps the ball. He knows what he's doing. He's quite canny in breaking up the play and creating our own play that we have missed him. And then Anthony Grant is very quickly becoming probably one of the best signings of the, of the the summer window. I mean, I know that last time I was on the podcast was when we signed him and I said, do we really need him? Well, <laughs> can I shock you? Swindon do need Anthony Grant, despite what I said earlier. He has been so good for us. And I honestly, I think him and Doughty really are going to be a great par- uh, partnership for the rest of the season if we can if we can keep him. Because I think his loan's only until January, isn't it? But um, yeah, we definitely need him. Uh, to be in form for as long as he, he can be because, yeah, with him in the team. I mean, the fact, obviously, he, he did create that first goal, really, with his anticipation. I, I don't think we could do that. I mean, he's the, the key player at the moment. So where does Leiden feature in all this? I mean, he came on and he was really good. <laughs> it's it's difficult. And I think Wellens did say um, in his post-match interview that he wanted to play a 4-3-3 before the game, but you can't drop one of Dollar Yates. Obviously, second half, Yates went wide. Um, so putting Leiden in the centre did give us that solidity in the first, uh, sort of in the, the sort of mid part of the second half onto the the end of the game. Um, and I think that was definitely one thing that helped us close out with any, out any sort of scares, uh, which is obviously quite good. But I think the way that he fits in is that don't play the same team every week. I think that's something that is evident from the fact that so many players are going down with injuries that you never know sort of exactly what causes them, but being able to rest players preemptively rather than them going down and we having to cope without them for a while um, is definitely going to be the way to go about it, I think. So it'd be nice in game in, in weeks where we maybe have sort of a few games. Uh, I think the next few weeks sort of seem to be a little bit quieter, but definitely as we build up towards the Christmas uh, period, we're definitely going to have to have a bit of rotation in that position. I think that's where Leiden could potentially sort of get back into the first team. And um, yeah, fact yeah. is, obviously, one of Yates or Dole could go down on, on Saturday against Walsall and then we need to have a different game plan because realistically, we're not going to be playing two up top if one of them's gone. So it, it's good to have uh, different options, I guess. And um, fingers crossed, nothing does happen. But I think we do need to think about making a couple of changes um, to winning lineups rather than uh, waiting for players to just sort of stay fit forever. We're both in the Stephen Bender fan club before he even played. We were, we were, <laughs> we were you know, already secretary and treasurer of the uh, Stephen Bender fan club. And yeah, did you get the polo shirt that we got made for it? Um... <laughs> I got, I, got, uh, I got the pin badges. Oh, good, good. Yeah, we need we need to definitely get on to sort of some, some hoodies and things like that. If anyone wants one, then just uh, send us a message. Mm. But um, 
Yeah, he looks like a real talent, doesn't he? Um, I saw, I was watching the game on Tuesday and I follow and he looked very uh, comfortable. I really like the fact that he can kind of interchange between using his hands and his feet. It's, it's almost like he's like an octopus or something like that. I, I have no idea. He was, he was quick off his line at Crawley, which prevented Crawley um, scoring through Nadazan when it was 1-0. So that was absolutely crucial. Home side seemed to think that they should have got a penalty, but it didn't look like it from where I was standing. It just looked like the striker thought that the goalkeeper should be on his line. And potentially if they've seen um, clips of Swindon playing earlier this season and seen McCormick, then that would have happened. So that that's one big difference between the two is that he does come off his line. He does want the ball at his feet. Um, and I think that third goal does come, out, uh, come about directly because the defence knows that he's an option if they don't have anything going forward, that they can go back to him and that he knows that he can play a, a ball that sort of puts us straight on the, the front foot as well. So definitely exactly what we need for the system that um, Wellens is trying to play. And I think you could tell that both Baudry and Fries were completely comfortable with him behind, the, behind them. Um, and they also look like a good partnership as well. So all of that is exactly what we need right now after a, a few sort of not so enjoyable weeks, I guess. Hmm. And it was DJ's full debut. He got 55 minutes before going off for Leiden. Um, was it, was it, would you deem it a good performance or is he still quite raw because of the injury he had? Uh, I think Wellens alluded to the fact in the, in his post-match interview that he maybe wasn't having the impact in the, as the game wore on uh, that he did have against Stevenage. So yeah, he does, he does look quite raw, but he'll, he'll, his time will come, but it is sort of good to see that he's sort of been given time to build up his fitness because, yeah, you could see that he was like pretty tired uh, towards the uh, the point where he did get taken off. So, yeah, it looks like we could have a really good player on loan. Early days, so we're not 100% sure yet. I'm pretty positive about him and uh, it'll be interesting to see in games when he's sort of up to that full speed exactly how he does perform because, yeah, he showed a few good moments, a few good touches, but... I wouldn't say he was sort of one of the players that really stuck out yesterday. After the game, there were really quite joyous celebrations from the Swindon players and the fans alike. Did you get involved? I was at the front. I wasn't in the the bit in the middle that you could see on the video on the Swindon Twitter, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, of course, we we all enjoyed it. So did stay behind after the game to sort of uh, sort of say thanks to the players for what was a really really fun way to spend a Saturday. So. Yeah, I was I was sort of half involved, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Any anything else that you want to add to to what is a magnet? I'm always worried when I talk to anybody because we've just swept aside a team, and it was a really really great day yesterday. It was it was fantastic. It's exactly days like that that you do go to football games, um, whether it's home or away. And when it is away and you win like that, it's even more satisfying because. I mean, you're leaving the ground and Crawley fans are saying how good you are, which is is quite nice. And you don't mind doing the sort of three-hour train home if you <laughs> have won 4-0. So mm. definitely um, a really good way to spend the day. Only thing I would probably add is that I do also think that Donahue's going to end up being a really good signing for us. He's slotted in really well. He looked very comfortable at left-back. Um, I think he's a natural midfielder, isn't he? Yeah, well, I think he's um, less left-minded, defensively and and midfielder yeah oh, okay because I think he poses a different question to teams because he does kind of mm. tuck inside a little bit which for a few weeks I, I didn't see all of the away games in, in the last few weeks but went to obviously Colchester and Newport and uh, we just 
got overrun in midfield. And when he sort of tucks in, um, it just gives us a little bit more solidity. And uh, we've really needed that. And I'm glad to see that we've got a player with that profile that can maybe sort of uh, firefight that one issue. So, yeah, I'm interested to see um, sort of how he goes on. But from early viewing of those of those two games, he's sort of got a decent cross and, uh, yeah, uh, seems to sort of slot well into the team and what Wellens is doing. Lovely stuff. Connor, thank you very much. Thank you. There we go, 4-0 away from home. Lovely stuff. That was the first hat-trick since Michael Doughty's on the opening day of last season against Macclesfield Town, for which, Ben, you are still recovering from. And the first away hat-trick since Ben Gladwin at Rochdale in April 2015. Four wonderful goals. They were great, and I think it's definitely one in the eye for people generally in the fan base but certainly there's been a few podcast questions as well it's whether something can play football in league two and that's definitely one in the eye for them i think four goals and all of them were brilliant especially the i've lost track now i think the second one where they played it out from the back and and, and scored that was that was brilliant and uh and there's, there's ones from great crosses as well so so yeah it was a, a perfect win and typical richie willis fast start as well getting goal to five minutes and then it, it didn't hold up from there and you know, an underrated point of that result would be Swindon being the first league team to keep a clean sheet against Crawley this season. So that's uh, no mean feat over, considering we haven't actually kept many this season. So, um, so yeah, perfect all round, really. And that's not really an exaggeration. I gave you a quote from Adrian earlier for the Stevenage game. Much more positive one, just to balance it out. It's only fair on Adrian. The level of control the team exerted in the second half was unbelievable. Well beyond League Two. When the system works, it really works. The difference a ball-playing keeper makes. Crawley had a couple of half chances in the first half, but with Swindon's game management, they never had a look-in in the second 45. Let's hope the momentum continues and that Isgrove is okay. The difference a ball-playing goalkeeper makes, no comment from me there. But um, I, I'm, I'm really glad that people are fully behind this. I think there are a few doubts, of course, and there are some people that get a bit nervous about it and don't give it sufficient backing. But generally, I think it's, it's, it's positive, and that surprises me because, you know, you know me, 14-15 was probably my favourite season as a, a town fan in terms of playing style. And even when that was going brilliantly and being League One, Playoff fan, I saw a lot of people that really didn't like it and calling it, you know, tippy tappy and all that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I'm really glad that people are pretty much fully behind Wellens, whether you know some really didn't want to to Mark Cooper, and although they are different um, a bit, they're similar thought processes and similar philosophies. So, um, so yeah, glad people are glad people are pretty much fully behind it. Leap says, is it because we have finally got our loan signings right that our prospects are better this season? Um. No, no, I don't think so. I think we've we've had some pretty good loan signings in recent years, the likes of, you know, Stephen Arzati's gone from League Two to Premier League within a season, and and uh, Timmy Arsenal was quite good, and and people like that. So I, I don't think there's also been a few duffers. I think some of the Chelsea lads weren't brilliant, but but um, but Darbo did a crazy on in Cockett wasn't too bad. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's that's the sole reason. I think generally because Wellens has got a, a philosophy that suits him, and the players are bought into it, and. You know, eight times out of ten, it, it works. There's a few, you know, occupational hazards such as conceding 
uh, stupid goals and and players going down injured. But I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I don't, I don't think Loney's are the main reason, but clearly um, the Loney's this season have been very good. Dan Cole comes in with, who's going to score the goals when Doyle and Yates go through a dry spell or get injured? Should Swindon put out a youth team and pay the fine against Bristol Rovers? If Swindon could only make one Loney permanent in January, who would you go for, Doyle or Grant? I'll do that in order. Who scores the goals if Doyle and Yates doesn't? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> because... Because it is just there with them, isn't it? Doughty could do with chipping in a few, but I'll give him a bit of respite because he's been in and out recently. So I don't think his goal numbers to, to minutes will, will look as, as fair as they should be. But I, I certainly think if he's getting in more, he should be chipping in with more than just penalties and no pun intended there. His Grove could, could do with chipping in a few. I think I think he's scored one goal or maybe he's still waiting for his first goal. It's been it's not, not seen as many goals in him anyway. It's, it's been, certainly been more assists and... Hopefully the um the wing bucks are chipping with you as well. Like Fires has only got one and, and Donahue's only got an assist rather than a goal. So hopefully we can see a couple from them as well. But but certainly injuries to Doyle and Yates could be problems, but I think there are players there that will chip in eventually, but certainly not to the extent that those two have been so far. It's interesting about the goals, isn't it? Because when you look at the, the list of goal scorers, we've mentioned it before and it is Doyle, Doyle, Doyle. Yates, Doyle, 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 Yates, which, you know, is is a mild concern, but until then, let the good times roll. But what is very reassuring is today, four goals, four assists from four different players. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very archetype and typical Wellens that, that so much of a team chips in with, with getting assists and I'd like to say goals, but they haven't quite flowed yet. But certainly, um, people are always involved in the goals. And even Andy Grant got an assist today, I think, which uh, I wouldn't put that in his game. So that's, that's nice as well. So, um, yeah, not quite total vertball of the 1970s, but it's, it's a good start. <laughs> so now we go back to Danny's comments. So should we put out a youth team and pay the fine against Bristol Rovers? And if you could only make one loney permanent in January... Who would you go for, Doyle or Grant, although there are other loanies available? <laughs> the answer is no to the first question, I think. Even though I doubt the final would be very significant, I think it's only a couple of grands, but even so, yeah, I think you can get enough minutes into the rotation of players. I think you just need to make sure that the, the important ones are rested. So, you know, give Doyle a break, maybe give Twine a game, um, that sort of thing. But certainly I wouldn't pay the full academy. Just make as many changes as you possibly can do. Don't pay, don't pay the fine, but don't, you know, kill Doyle, Isgrove, Yates, those sorts of people at the same time. And then the Lonies, yeah, tough between those two. And I'm, I normally go for the controversial comment, but I'm not going to here. I'll go very generic and obvious answer that, that Doyle would be the biggest loss. I think Grant has been exceptional in, in that role, but, but Leiden can do it as well. And although Yates has impressed as a striker, clearly he's not getting as many goals as Doyle, so Doyle will be key. And you know, there's a lot of moral panic about Doyle at the moment. So, um, so yeah, definitely try and extend that beyond well, not extend it, but make sure he's here come February 1, as opposed to letting Bradford have him back. We'll get to Doyle in just a moment. But when he was at Oldham, he scored plenty of goals in his first half of his loan spell, but didn't score anywhere near in his second. So we have to be wary of that sort of stuff. Good spot. I uh, forgot that or, you know, couldn't remember it. So that's that's uh, that's well done there. But I'm going to cling on to the uh, the past uh, stats of, of Wellens and him working very well. Daniel Hunt's got a couple of points. We'll do it in two loads so the first point by necessity Swindon Town and Wellins have found out that Friars is a better centre half than left back two clean sheets next to Baudry since he's come in would also like to sing Baudry's praises with 
Conroy Ballard out for the season. Baudry is the most important player in the squad for me. Uh, there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's a bit of exaggeration. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say Baudry is the best player in the squad, but certainly I agree with the first half of that sentence where he deserves immense credit for you know, being pretty consistent in that defence and even though he got a minor injury, um, he's been pretty solid in that regard. And, you know, he had a he had a season ender last season. I think he played five games at NK Dons last season. So, you know, he's already beaten that. So he deserves immense credit for that. And he has been a fantastic centre-back playing against him. He must have played about four or five by now with Conroy, Friars, Zakawani, Broadbent. So, yeah, that's, that could have been easy. He deserves immense credit for that. Uh, and then the Friars thing, I think he's definitely impressed as centre-back. I wouldn't quite go as far as he's a better centre-back than left-back, but certainly I would say that the formation works better with Friars as centre-back because, you know, centre-back depth isn't exactly great with Conroy's injury and we all know, we all know the issues are broadbent and Curran's clearly not ready for first team yet. So the formation works better with Friars clearly doing a good job there and, and Donahue being allowed to play left-back. So I wouldn't say Friars is a better centre-back than left-back, but it certainly suits the system better to have him there. And in fairness to Dan, he said that Baldry was the most important player in the squad and not best. Yeah, I'll stick by what I said, though. I don't think he's the most important. But, <laughs> yeah. I, but, I, but I do tell the point, he has been, he has been mm. great, but I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go that far. Still with Dan Hunt. Secondly, with DJ and Anderson fit again, hopefully his grove injury not too bad. think we'll get much better returns out of Woolery as an impact sub off the bench in the next few months. Have fought for a while that this is the way he should be used. Do you agree? Yeah, that one I would. Clearly, he's not been as good as a starter, but he is rapid and will suit Wellens perfectly. So when defences are tiring, you can unleash him for the last 20. Then he can have loads of joy on the counter and, and exposing those weak defensives. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And hopefully he doesn't start too much, given the form of Anderson. Jaisimi started well in, in his growth. So, so yeah, he'd definitely be more useful as an impact um, sub in the last 20 minutes to, to run defensive racket with his, with his sheer pace. Our man in Singapore, Matt Anderson, has given us a review of the game. Great today, loads of commitment, confident tackles, chasing back, covering each other and passing was excellent at times. No worries about Doyle leaving, won't, can't happen. We'll get to that in just a moment. Best thing today, demonstrated how good our recruitment has been, both in pre-season and during the campaign, and in some desperate times. Grant and Donoghue have been revelations, and a lot of credit needs to go to the management owner and director of football. Unsung heroes everywhere. The bench looked great, strength in depth everywhere. Surprising to be able to say we didn't miss Isgrove after he went off. Equally, we haven't missed Iandolo since Donahue arrived, which says a lot. But Donahue is the total package on the left for me. A top, top find. Yeah, I think there's a bit of underrated panic that we could be facing in early 2020 when, uh, you know, we know about Doyle, but Grant's loan only expires in, in January, so we've got to do some renegotiating with Shrewsby there. And I think Donahue's only on a six month and Zakawani's only on a six month. So January 2020 is going to be a right laugh, but certainly two of those negotiations are a lot easier. The players we've got won't have any club to deal with so if they need to extend that by another six months they can do but uh, there could be a bit of a, a bit of a tussle with Shrewsbury as well as um, as well as Bradford in January. Swindon Town Trust uploaded a table I don't know where they got it from from a very uh, statistically comprehensive website but it showed something that we have discussed on the pod and it is worth discussing because we're in 16 games in for all the teams below 
10th position, we have got 24 points from a possible 24. From all the teams in the current top 10, we have three points from a possible 24, which, again, we've discussed, but it says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, we did touch upon this last week, um, and there's there a valid point in there that I think Dan said that he, he, he's back in top seven, but not quite top three yet, which I can totally get the point. Um, I, I'm still going to be quite confident with, with my third place in pre-season, but I, I do get the point. But I think it's... I think it's great that we are at least batting those those poor teams away because we've definitely struggled with that in recent seasons. And, you know, it definitely would have been nice to beat those top sides, but we've had some decent points in there. Chatham away draw, extra away draw. I think both of them are quite good. Plymouth at home, not the worst draw in the world either. Yeah, a lack, the lack of wins is concerning. I'm not going to dress that up, but, but there's definitely been some good points in there. And hopefully if a few more of those turn into three, then would be right in the conversation um, come the end of the season. Okay then, let's talk about Owen Doyle. So, 13 goals in 13 games for Swindon since he arrived on loan from Bradford City. He's now scored more goals for Swindon in 13 games than he has for Bradford in, what, 46 appearances in the league for them. But there seems to be this this common trait, and we talk about it almost every week. I think people that that contribute to this podcast were a little bit more restrained this time but there there is this this feeling that we just cannot enjoy Owen Doyle until <laughs> he is confirmed assigned permanently or at least to the end of the season uh Jack Tanner our man in China says I fear that every goal just puts his price up if and when we do try and sign him uh, Nick Judd asked what's our plan b when Bradford sell Doyle to someone else in January, in which Lucas 921 came straight in with Doyle's already played for two EFL clubs this season, so he can't play for a third. But those questions are still coming in, and I don't think there's anything we can do about it. My, I still lean towards, let's just enjoy this until the end of, of the Christmas period, and let's see what the club do from there on in. But it, it, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're based on our broken records, but the questions keep coming in, so I feel obliged to answer them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would happen because Bradford have got to pay a bit of money to call him back, and I don't think they're, I think they're doing all right for money, but I think it'd be an unnecessary cost for them. And like I said, they're they're doing fine. They had a game uh, rained off at the weekend, but generally they're doing fine. I don't think they need him that much, and they played him a few games of the season. He didn't score for them, so. Um, Clearly, and you mentioned, you know, a good stat by you there that he scored more goals for Swindon already than he did for Bradford. So, whatever's going on there, it's not working. So, I don't think they'll be in a massive rush. And if they're willing to pay a bit of a fee, then so be it. But I'm not massively concerned. I think it's obviously good news that uh, one of the listeners mentioned that he's already played for two clubs. So, I think, I think a big concern would have been they could recall him and send him to a League One club, but they can't do that. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty quietly confident that he's going to be all right. But until February the 1st happens, I'll be a bit nervous. But I don't think there's any much point, you know, fussing about it. Let's just let's just get to February the 1st. And if we are there with Doyle, then great. If not, hopefully they can sign someone else. And Wellen's got the questions um, to, uh, on Saturday saying that he's been looking at players anyway, if Doyle does go. But I'm not massively concerned, to be honest. I think we'll just try and ride it until February the 1st. Even Doyle via a article from a press conference, I imagine, with Sean, Red- with Sean Reynolds attending. I, 
This is what Doyle says. I don't think Bradford will recall me. It's not something I think will happen. It hasn't been thought about. Well, it has, kind of, because I think the manager of, uh, of Bradford says we're, we're keeping an eye on it. My mind, though, says Doyle, is here at Swindon for the season. That's my plan. The team is great and the players suit my style of play. I fancy myself as a player that can hang in the box and score the odd goal. I feel like I have the easy job out there compared to the rest of the team. They're enthusiastic and I think a lot of them have great careers in the future. I'm enjoying my football at Swindon and I've played under Richie Wellens before. So when the opportunity came, I jumped at it. It's so funny that it starts with... I don't think there's anything that's happening. Then he just sort of spirals into generic press conference, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think he was at some uh, sort of under eleven event sort of thing. That's what that, that the other trend so they managed to get a skip with him there. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty generic player comments. He's not he's not going to say, "Oh yeah, I hate Bradford, give me a ring in, in a month's time." But but you know, certainly it's pretty reassuring that he likes being here. And yeah, the, the, there's a bit of worry in the back of my head, probably because I'm a Swindon fan and this this thing happens, but. You know, realistically, and and if I use my actual head, then I don't think it will happen. But um, you know, like I said, I'm very much, very much counting the days down to February the first, and hopefully Rotherham will behave themselves as well. And and like I said, maybe we should move Panic on towards Donahue, Grant, and uh, and Zakawani instead. Ferry on the ball. He's got Ward with him. Timing of the pass is crucial. A touch and shoot. Yes. You bet. You bet. Two 0 Swindon. Moving on, Paul Jewell's been in trouble, hasn't he? Our director of football has been fined £1,750 and handed an immediate three-match stadium ban by the Football Association. It follows Paul Jewell's behaviour at the end of the League 2 match against his old side, Bradford City, back at the start of this month. He used abusive and or insulting and or improper words towards match officials both on and off the pitch and and around the changing rooms and tunnel area. Jewel, this is the BBC article, Jewel, 55, don't know why the age is appropriate there, also filed to provide his name when requested by an official. Well, there you go. The, the massive insult at the end there, isn't it? Poor poor Paul. But um, <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a director of football that's this, uh, been in this sort of trouble before, but at least the, the one we've got now seems to be doing some sort of work, so that's a bonus. And, yeah, I mean, and acknowledges great. that he works for Swindon Town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, Sherwood has, has done this before. I think he, he got a pretty hefty fine. Um, but yeah, I think Paul Jill actually does some work, so that's a bonus. Um, a bit of a shame. I think the fine is not a problem for the club, but... Um, Free match stadium ban might be a pain in the arse if he if he can't scale for free games. Um, but he'll have to just log on to Y Scout instead and, and take the punishment there. But you know it's not not great, but it's not the end of the world. It's, it's Paul Jewell does some valid work by the sounds of Wellens, and uh, it's a bit of a shame. But it's not the most important person in the club to get banned from a, a game for free games. I think approximately nobody cared. Even the more negative fans just didn't say anything. Yeah, just a bit of news, which is uh, perfectly newsworthy, but I don't think anyone's that bothered. And you know, like I said, a bit annoying that he can't go to free games if, if he's um, using them for scouting. But um, you know, free games won't change the season in that regard. So, so hopefully he can be he can be back doing work pretty shortly. Hashtag passion. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> okay, let's wrap up the other bits and pieces. So there were some cup draws over the last week. It's Cheltenham Town away in the FA Cup. I don't know about you, Ben, but I think this is probably 
as worse a draw as we could have hoped. I think I would have taken Oxford away or rolled the dice against Chippenham um, over Cheltenham. But as Jack Tanner mentions, is Cheltenham actually not a bad draw, as we always expect to lose there anyway? Well, I do care about the FA Cup and League Cup. The year for Trophy don't care at all, but the Cups I don't massively... You know, it's not season-defining, but I do emotionally care about them, so it would have been nice to get a more winnable tie because we know our record's like there. But to be honest with you, very selfishly, I just wanted a home draw because that's what I get paid for. So I would have taken the blandest home draw because uh, <laughs> it's, it's more money in the bank. So I was more in order of that rather than Cheltenham, but certainly it's a, it's a boring tie. But, um, you know, as local people will go, um, hopefully it ends in a win, but if it doesn't, I wouldn't be that bothered because, you know, the league is much more important. So I do hope you win, but I won't cry myself to sleep if we don't and uh, it's a good draw for people that will go I think Well you've listed trophies that you care or don't care about but the biggest news this week is that Town are back in the Wiltshire Premier Shield and we have been drawn away to Westbury United this will be Town's first fixture against Westbury and their first trip to Meadow Lane in 19 years Town with a sneaky 6-1 victory with goals from Philip Cuervo Steve Coe Alan Young, Gareth Davies and Charlie Griffin also featuring in that game with Steve Mildenhall, Robin Holbert, Adam Willis, Sam Campagna, Jamie Mills and sexy football himself, Bobby Howe. Somehow I don't think that many first team players or at least fringe first team players will be in the side for Westbury. I'm more invested in this than I probably should be. Uh, I've got some, <laughs> got some agendas against Stephen uh, Marine, so I hope we don't lose to them at any point during the competition. But yeah, nice to be back involved in it. I think... It, I, I agree with you. I'm pretty sure I'll be an academy side pretty much, but hopefully, you know, some first teamers maybe flirt with it. Maybe Tilly Sunoco and get some minutes and Scott Twine get some minutes and people like that. But certainly, uh, we don't, I hope we don't go full strength. We definitely won't. And uh, some some first teamers get some minutes, but um, as long as we don't lose to Marine, I'm, I'm, I'm good with this competition. That's a nice little opportunity for the West Wilts Reds to uh, see Swindon in, in, their, in their nearest postcode. Yeah, quite. I think it's been a bit weird we haven't entered at least a team into this thing for quite a few years now. But mm. you know, even if if it's just a Swindon C team full of academy graduates and City Sunoco, then uh, then that's fine. It's good to have these sort of things, I guess. And you know, it, it won't directly affect the league form, or it definitely shouldn't do. So um, nothing to really worry about there. It was the Decanio era that that binned off the uh, the Wiltshire Premier Shield, but I thought it was compulsory, but. I'm, I'm, I've just realised we've talked about this longer than we have the Cheltenham game. <laughs> it's much more important. So, <laughs> <laughs> who, who cares about the uh, oldest cup competition in the world? We, uh, we come at the Wiltshire Shield or whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, falls of that. Um, loan watch. A couple of players have gone out on loan. Cameron McGilp, he's gone on loan to Hungerford Town, who were managed by ex-Swindon man Ian Herring, who was managing his 100th game today. Congratulations, Ian, even though the result didn't go your way. And Archie Matthews, goalkeeper, has joined Thatcham Town, but his game today at Supermarine was postponed. But standard loans. I, I don't know. McGill was on the bench recently, I think, for the for the uh, leasing.com game. But maybe that's that's a couple of levels lower than I expected him to go down. But minutes and minutes after his injury. Yeah, you've got Henry there. I would have, would have liked a better one there. You know, he's not a key player, but clearly he's got um he's in first team sort of pictures. He's a professional and he's got a contract that runs until twenty twenty one, so I would have liked to have got a better loan there, but clearly he's not getting in and needs minutes, like you said, from an injury. So um a good move for him, hope it works out, but I would have liked National League Premier if possible, but evidently not. So um good luck to 
Cameron and unless a good one for Archie, I think first team football full stop would have been good for him. So, so yeah, good luck to the pair. Let's finish up with our next game, which is at home to Walsall next Saturday. Town haven't played Walsall for over two years, losing 1-0 late on at the best court. The other game from that terrible, terrible 2016-17 season was a 2-0 loss at the county ground. Historically, Town have the slightest of edges over Walsall. 98 competitive fixtures, 35 wins, 29 draws and 34 losses. This game is a junior takeover day with a fan zone and all that malarkey. Should be fun. Under-11s can get in to the ground to watch the Walsall game for free. Let's go with predictions. Three wins in a row. Can we possibly do it? I'll go 2-1 win. I'm already dreading it. <laughs> yeah, well, last week I mentioned I wanted 10 points from the next 12 and we've got six. And But I had this one down as the... The one draw, yeah, I'm pretty conflicted with this one, to be honest. I think Walsall are pretty pants by the looks of it. They are 21st in League 2, not responded well to relegation at all, which is a, it's a surprise. I thought Daryl Clark would do well, but I don't think their strikers are very good. And Adebayo scored today, but um don't think he's done one very well at all. But I think I, I can only remember what I had on the EFL question about a fortnight ago was that their way form was, was keeping Clark in a job pretty much. And... You know, clearly it's not that great either because they're 21st, but uh, the, the home form has been absolutely dire for them and they lost at home again on the weekend. So if there's one saving grace, it's their waveform. So it's a bit of a worry and there could be a draw there, but sorry, I'll back town for another one. Uh, T1, just about, but I'm a bit, bit more nervous than I should be for 21st at home. <laughs> you just know Edebeo is going to play well and score, so it's just about scoring more than them. The saving grace might be that you scored this weekend and... <laughs> Wasn't exactly famous for scoring two weeks in a row, so there might be a, a respite there. But yeah, I, like I said, uh, we should be putting these, this team away definitely. And if you want to, if you want to be serious about going up, then we've got to start winning three in a row and four in a row quite regularly, especially against teams that are twenty-first. Even if you know Walsall might have a decent squad and a decent manager and annually relegated, we should still be putting them away. I think so. I'm a bit, a bit fearful of a draw, but the record against bottom half sides is good as you mentioned, and they are pants. So um, two on town, sod it. Fingers crossed. Six points out of six. It's a happy pod. Very happy pod. I mean, we did know it. I was a bit, I was a bit nervous again because, uh, you know, I said this is a, a kind of run of fixtures. No, expecting to be uh, a knob in mid-November, but we're not quite in November yet, but uh, late October and uh, things are going well from six points from six and hopefully we'll get at least 10, but 12 from the next from the next two uh, overall is, is definitely doable, I think. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Rich. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork is provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.